Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents, the station that gets the gospel to the four corners and provides you with eloquent speakers. My name is Matt Logman, not so eloquent, but to my right, Mr. Eloquence himself. Ray Gerard, let's oh, give him a nice hand. Yeah, oh, okay. brother. <laughs> it's been a while since we did one of these together. And, and I'm enjoying it already. Maybe it's introductions like that that keep me from uh, you know coming back to do these with you, but... Um, but it is really good to be back in studio with you again. That was well played. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, please open us up with a prayer so we can get started talking about St. Joseph. Yeah, we're going to talk about St. Joseph today. So let's, uh, let's pray this way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph, uh, dear St. Joseph uh, in heaven, uh, spiritual father to all of us, uh, aid to fathers, aid to families, um, guardian of, uh, of mothers and, and virgins, uh, we pray to you today. We ask you to hear our prayer. We ask you to bend the ear of your earthly son, Jesus. Have him listen to our, our needs and our pleas. Ask him to strengthen us, whatever our troubles, whatever our worries. Uh, ask him to soothe us and give us the peace that comes from a true faith in the love and the caring and uh, the, the unconditional commitment of our Lord Jesus to all of us and all of those about whom we care. And we make this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, be, coming from a radio station that uses St. Joseph in their name, he's got to be watching over us today. I know it. And we're going to give them tidbits of his life. Uh, there's not much known about it through scripture. There's, there's not a lot known uh, about St. Joseph's life. There, is a, there was a book, interestingly enough, that was written called The Life of St. Joseph. Um, it only came to light in the early 1900s. Uh, these were the um, recorded private uh, revelations of a nun, uh, abbess of a Benedictine convent, of uh, the Benedictine convent of St. Peter, St. Peter in uh, Montefiascone, Italy. Uh, she lived uh, in the uh, she lived from 1743 to 1766. In the early 20th century, her writings were uncovered, and then they were published with the approval uh, and the initial support of Pope Benedict XV. And uh, it's an interesting uh, work on St. Joseph and his in his life. And um, supposedly told uh, through revelations from Jesus. But, you know, it's a matter of, of faith as to uh, whether or not you believe, you know, everything that, that's written in here. But, you know, it, it makes perfect sense in some of the description it gives of St. Joseph. It's like a dogma. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Uh, I mean, dogma makes a little bit 
more authoritative than that, but nevertheless, um, you know, for example, it says as a young child, he would cry because of the offenses committed against God. Hmm. I, you know, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, what would the real St. Joseph have been like? And what would he have been like as a child? You know, we know very little about Jesus' life as a child. What about St. Joseph's life as a child? You can just imagine well, that it would have been blessed with uh, you know, just a multitude of graces um, and that he would have this passion for God and the things that God cared about. Wouldn't it make sense? You know, I just find that it's always um, interesting and it's just pleasing to contemplate, you know, questions like this and imagine what these, you know, what these, what these saints must have been like, uh, even if we don't, you know, know so much. I mean, we live in an age now, of course, with TV and, oh, and there's, there are, you know, security cameras everywhere. There's nothing that happens that, you know, nowadays that isn't caught on a camera somewhere. Is but, that why you're laying low? <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, you know, and uh, uh, on football fields, everything is you know instant replay now. There's there's very lift, little left to the the human factor, you know, as you, as you might call it. But um, you know, when you think about you know these these people and what they must have been like, um, it's just uh, it may again it does make perfect sense. What would he have been like as a child? I mean, it's just a wonderful kind of a thing to ponder. Well, just as Mary was chosen, you know, you know, and the angel came to her, I believe that it was divine providence the way Joseph and the family and the lineage that he came from as well. I'm, I'm sure that the father had a big hand in it because not everybody could have been capable of doing what he did. You know, and, um, you know, and we know that God has a plan for each one of us. God has a definite plan for each one of us. And the problem always is, of course, you know, very frequently we get in the way of that. Can you imagine? I mean, the plan that he had for Joseph, I mean, it was a, it was a huge— And supposedly, again, according to these, these revelations, his parents were visited in a dream by an angel who confided to his parents that, yes, this child had a very special mission— that he would see and associate closely with the Messiah and that they needed to raise him, maybe a bit of a warning, you know, raise him well. Wow, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I did see a movie that I'm sure has some artistic license in it because it was the life of Jesus as like around seven to nine, you know, I can't specify exactly what age he was doing. But yes, the family knew of, I mean, it's it's hard to explain, you know, because of the artistic license, though. But like, just as the grandparents were aware of this, I mean, God, I guess, was at least in their idea or point of view, exhibited stuff that was miraculous. You know, whether it be uh, picking up a bird that was on the beach and then holding it in his hands and then it flies away. Well, his cousins all see this, you know, and. His aunts and uncles know. Yeah. So they did a really good job, in my point of view, on the movie. It was very entertaining, and it made sense, you know, and how he questioned because, you know, God will he'll reveal that to you. And they were trying to tell him, hey, you know, lay low on that, that stuff. You know, you're going to bring attention, and it's going to be bad for us. You know, I mean, so Mom was trying to keep him cool, you know, and it, which is kind of funny because, you know, the God who's all-knowing, how come he didn't know it was his time at Cana? 
you know, she comes up. <laughs> now, that's one the rabbit hole as you're talking about going in, down and, and trying to. I'm sure, well, he, yeah, I mean, when his mother, you know, told him, you know, go ahead and do this. and it Threw was him not, under the bus, t- you know. <laughs> well, I don't know if it, you can say that exactly. Well, she, that was the last word she said, do is whatever he tells you. you exactly. Know, last yeah, recorded yeah. words from Mary. Yeah. And she knew quite well what he was capable of doing. And, of course, if uh, Joseph's parents were told to raise him well, then, of course, the job of Mary and Joseph would be to raise Jesus well. And he would have—I mean, he subjected himself to the human condition. And, of course, one of the things that Jesus exemplified to us is that wonderful book, The Imitation of Christ. And if our job is to try to imitate, imitate Christ and to— be evangelizers for Christ and, you know, spread the love of Christ. Um, you know, if we're supposed to you know, imitate, you know, Christ, one of the things that Christ did model for us was obedience. I mean, uh, you know, the cross is obviously the pinnacle of obedience uh, to his heavenly Father. So Jesus would have modeled that too as a child. And, he wa- and we're told that he was obedient to Mary and to Joseph. So if you're going to have... Jesus. Up until he was gone three days. <laughs> if you're going to have uh, Jesus be obedient to human people, to show us how to be, to subject himself fully to the human condition, then those parents to which he was going to be obedient, boy, they better be something special, you would think. And, and I know he was raised well in Scripture as he floored all the teachers, you know, that he talked to. Oh, sure, 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 sure. So, I mean, you can just... You can just imagine. I mean, we really don't spend a lot of time thinking about these things. But if you if you do, uh, I, you know that, that that's really you know the way it is now in, in our life in our modern life. Everything is so fast that we hardly have time to just sit on a porch, for example, and and think of the days before TV, for example. There was lots of time uh, that was slower. Now we never even stop to ponder these things, and if we're lucky, we we stop few moments of every day and, and spend that in prayer or, you know, perhaps, you know, half an hour or more. But um, to stop and, and then on top of that, take some time and, and consider some of these mysteries of the faith. I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean, that, that many people have, of course, much of an opportunity to do that anymore these days. And that's why it just seems like, I don't know, intellectually refreshing to consider, well, what must Joseph have been like? And uh, you can just imagine he had to be, well, the model of a father, would he not? Well, you know, I think first this comes true with Jesus. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make a joke of it, though, but his IQ must have been off the chart. <laughs> you know, could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. You know, and if he didn't know the answer, I'm sure there was some divine, you know, revelation and interjection and whatever. But, yeah, that's just one of those rabbit holes you start thinking about how perfect he was. When we talk about perfect, we talk about living in a in a Marian age. That the Marian age was ushered in with Saint Catherine uh, Labore and the miraculous medal, and then of course all the apparitions that followed in Lourdes and Fatima and so on, Knock Ireland and so many other places. Um, but are we not also living in an age of Joseph, or should we not perhaps? Um, consider this as an age of, uh, of Joseph? Should we not perhaps devote a lot of attention to Joseph? We have, you know, so much in the world today that is questioning 
the role of manhood. You know, what are men are supposed to be like? And, you know, you could just, I mean, you can go through a score of different different things that are making that more and more open to question these days. That could be a whole new program. That could, it could be several programs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to think about Joseph, uh, you know, a man who worked with his hands, a man who uh, probably was, was, was strong. I mean, if you're going to be doing labor, you know, physical manual labor like he did, he probably was, you know, fairly strong. A strong man, but a peaceful man. Um, uh, you know, a man who lived with a virgin his entire married life. Uh, I mean, what a model of, of manhood. I, you know, um, a manhood that was centered on, on God and Christ, not centered on, on things of this world. Uh, I mean, yeah, what a model he what a model he continues to be, and it's a shame that we don't know more about him. We don't think think about him more than we do. We don't turn to him uh, to help us with these these questions and, and how we should be, because he could be a tremendous help. The people there are stories of people that have prayed to Saint Joseph that have received so much in return, and why not? Of course, I mean, praying to the saints is of course a very useful thing, and here is here is a saint was very close in his earthly life to Christ himself. I believe most of the saints, most of the saints and guardian angels are underutilized. And sure. I, I would believe that St. Joseph would fall in that category because most Catholics, you know, it's straight to Jesus, straight to God, and the Blessed Mother. You know, I mean, sure, we have the communion of saints, and that's what's underutilized. People need to realize that. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, you know, we have such a rich faith in our church. The Return to the, the, Return to the Saints, um, there's a book that I'm reading, reading now called The Ways of the Saints. It's a beautifully written uh, little book, but it talks about the role of saints and how they can provide so much to us. You know, as you're a child, you look to your father and your mother, you know, for an example. You imitate, you end up, you know, copying a lot of their traits, their mannerisms, the way they think, they're the first early, you know, influence on your early life. Well, I mean, how about turning to the saints for an example of how to be? We need role models. We need, you know, somebody up on a, on a pillar that we can at least aim for. We need to have goals. If you don't have goals, then you're going to wander about, you know, aimlessly. Well, true, and knowing God's plan, and I say this confidently, one of them is that we are all called to be saints, all of us. That's every, what we're made for. That's the idea. That's what I heard. <laughs> I fall short daily, man. Come on. Anyways, uh, another little interesting tidbit from the early life of St. Joseph. Do you know what his first words supposedly were? Wow, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not mom and papa, but supposedly his first words were, my God. Kind of, I don't this, it's, you know, I mean... Again, if, if you envision or imagine a child and the first words out of that child's mouth were, my God, if you're, if you're you know, there looking at that child, wouldn't you be thinking, okay, this one's going to be perhaps special? I would have to assume, you know, and uh, yeah, it, you're raising a bar when you talk like that. I mean, the first words out of a child's mouth, I mean, wow, so I'm pretty close. That's number two. There you go. <laughs> 
Well, all right. Yeah, we can let people know that they are listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents. And we are coming live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. Matt Lagerman here in studio with Ray Gerard, And we are discussing the life of St. Joseph, a great saint to ask him and ask him to intercede for you. And we'll, con- talk, we'll talk about that and how, how good he is at answering, too, because I know people even have novenas and... Oh yeah, I dedicate mean, their lives, you know, kind of. I think there's a good reason, you know, why we're called Saint Joseph Radio. Um, you know, I mean, in terms of in terms of a, a saint to uh, to use as uh, you know as 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 your namesake, um, why not Saint Joseph? Um, he is such you know such a such a powerful saint, and of course, he stands for the idea of work and the value of work. And that is an immensely important concept, especially in, in our day and age. St. Uh, John Paul II had written an, enc- an encyclical, uh, Laborum Exercens. So it's all about labor and work. And uh, one of the interesting things he notes, I mean, he starts off with talking about how work is one of the characteristics that distinguishes us from all other animals. And I never really thought of that. Well, I know some animals have been proven to use things as weapons, but that's not really work, is it? <laughs> well, no, I have seen them also use, like, rocks or coconuts to, like, bang on nuts and stuff to get the stuff out of well, the middle. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Well, okay, but, you're, I mean, you're, you're feeding yourself. I mean, they're doing that to feed themselves. But, I mean, really, the concept of, of, of work, you know, there's, there's so much that we that we do that falls under that, that category of, of work. and. Yeah, it, we are different than all the other, uh, you know, all the other animals. It differentiates us. It's, it's one of the things that gives us dignity. I mean, when, when you are doing work, um, and St. Uh, John Paul II points this out, it's a transitive activity. Um, in other words, it's an outward kind of activity. It's something that that flows from us outward. Because when you do work, it's it's you know, there's an idea that that generates in your mind, and then you act on that idea, and then you act on an object, and you do this work either for the benefit of your fam for yourself, for your family, for other people. It's an outward transitive activity that conveys benefits, not just to you, but to other people. And the funny thing about it is, as I read that, I thought to myself, you know, that is very much in line with our Catholic faith because, you know, what is, what is the central idea of love that the Church believes in? Well, it's, it's agape love. It's an outward kind of a love. It's not a self-centered or inward-looking kind of a love, but it's a love that says, hey, everybody else is what, more important than I am. I'm here to serve other people. I'm here to imitate Christ, which, I mean, who, you know, was the very, you know, pinnacle of agape love. Everything he did was for the love of others. And work, in terms of human activity, shares that same transitive characteristic. And it's just interesting to to think about it that way. It It fits with our human nature. And so if, it, if that's what it is, then it, then it is something that's very important to who we are. And, of course, a lot of people have written about the fact that, you know, with your work, you, you express yourself. You can um, develop your, your identity if you find work that is 
appealing. And even if you don't find work that's necessarily appealing, you can take any work and devote a good intention to it, devote your heart to it. I mean, St. Paul, <coughs> of course, says, you know, uh, be obedient, you know, to your, to your earthly masters. Um, so even if the work is something that you're commanded to do and you're not really, you know, don't really enjoy it, you can still find value in it. You still can. You're talking about a job, right? You don't really enjoy it. I mean, it's what a blessing, though, to actually have a job that you enjoy going to every day. Now, like something like this, this is great, but I'm volunteering here, but I love that too. Well, like I said, you know, if, you, if you're somebody who finds a job in which you get real satisfaction, if you're one of those people that is lucky enough to find a job that is more or less of your own choosing, something that you feel really you know, characterizes you. For example, if you're an artist and you love to paint, you make beautiful paintings, that's just one example. Okay, I think we can all understand that that's, that's something where you're, you're expressing yourself, you're developing your own identity. But how about like just the job that you do just simply for the money? And you're doing it just simply because you need a job. And, you know, it's not one of these higher callings or, or something special, but it's just what you think of as a, a simple job. But you can still find real value in it. I mean, if you do it with um, care and concern and compassion for the people with whom you work, now you're fulfilling, I mean, now you're fulfilling um, Christ's command to all of us. Uh, anytime you serve other people, you know, you can um, derive value from that. I think if we look at, at, at jobs that we don't particularly care for as simple or unrewarding, it's probably because we're not seeing all that there is to see in the job. Well, I would say that no matter what job, folks, that you're working in right now, God has you there for a reason. Whether it's cleaning an office, flipping a burger, you know, or maybe assisting in the operation room. Yeah, I mean, God has you there for a reason, and that's not the end of it. You know, you don't know what the rest of your journey is going to give to you. And we're talking about jobs because of St. Joseph, about how he did, you know, just a perfect example of working. Uh, Joseph diligently provides for the needs of the family of God, the Holy Catholic Church. I mean, all of us, because of his special role as foster father of the child Jesus, St. Joseph has merited singular privileges in heaven, unmatched by any saint excepting the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, so it's like... Beautiful. It's just the beautiful thing to actually have in our faith. How do you think Saint Joseph went about his work? I mean, if he's diligently, <laughs> if he's interacting with uh, maybe somebody from whom he acquired some wood, if he was interacting maybe with a customer or somebody who was going to buy, you know, purchase one of his products or acquire his services, how do you think he interacted with them? Do you think it was with? A peaceful heart, a joyous. I'd say joyous, patience joyous and love. Patience, love. I mean, how would you imagine St. Joseph dealt with people? I mean, you would think that, of course, you know, he would have been this, this virtuous person that we believe him to be. You know, the other day, I mean, let me say this. I didn't, you know, I didn't always used to think this way. But more and more, um, as I've gained more years of experience— um, which now number quite a few. Um, uh, I'm beginning to see the people with whom I interact more and the actual work product less. I'm beginning to look for the opportunities 
to interact uh, more constructively with the people with whom I come in contact with. For example, the other day, I walked into a I walked into a business office, and uh, there was a woman there, uh, and um, you know, and I just you know looked her, tried to look her like in the eye with a genuine smile, and and you know just exchanged some pleasantries and so forth. And her expression was, well, you know, the 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 gaze was sort of downward. The the facial expression was sort of you know worried, um, and you know there was just the the pressures and the stresses or whatever. I guess she was caught up in, and you know, and that's that can be true for a lot of people. A lot of people, you know. But here, this this is a woman that I had never met before. And if you have a real understanding of Christian charity, then you're supposed to have like a concern for everybody. You don't know their their story or what's in their heart, what's in their soul or mind, but they're loved by God, and they're deserving of, of our love. And if you can approach job situations with those ideas in mind, you know, one thing it does, it makes the job a lot easier. Especially eye contact. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, But we meet lots of people, uh, you know, during the course of the day, you know, that, you know, would, would be like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, so if you can try to maybe just, you know, share, you know, some, uh, you know, genuine feelings of warmth, I mean, on a professional level, um, you know, uh, then, you know, then, yeah, jobs become easier and you are getting value out of your work. I mean, that, that, that's our highest value, right? I think to just by living God's life, uh, you know, his plan in, in your life, that you receive a level of peace that is not understood by mankind. So if you're working, you know, with everything you're talking about, you know, whether you're paying for your gas or you're at a convenience store or a grocery store, we come across people. I walk in, you know, smiling, looking at them like that. And sometimes the light's not on. <laughs> and I feel, I feel for these people because right. they're there, they're doing their job, and I see no sign of joy anywhere. No, no right. You know, right. And it's right. not always, but, you know, I mean, there are people out there who are suffering. And what they're lacking to me, you know, is obvious. I mean, I'm suffering. You know, I'm walking with a walker now, you know, but I, I'm still smiling and, and trying to talk positive stuff, you know. And no matter who I'm talking to or where I go, because... You know, you don't know who you're going to affect, not infect, but affect, you know, it's like that positive, that positive thing. You know, it's just, yeah, it's something you got to think about daily and do daily. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we've got more to talk about, about St. Joseph coming up. We also have a lot of things coming up that I'd like to remind you about because you want to check it out. That's what I'm saying. It's called by name, Inspiration, Faith, Fellowship, and Fun. It's Saturday, November 5th, 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Immaculate Conception Parish in Darden Prairie, Missouri. So go, go, go to that. Check it out. Hey, a good glass of wine. Get to meet women who share thoughts, just the same thoughts that you do about Jesus Christ and his, the body of Christ, the Holy Catholic Church. Love you bunch. We'll be right back, folks.
Hi, this is Matt Logaman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio, check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back live from the realm of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. Matt Logman in studio today with Ray Gerard. And I got another thing for you to do right now. Get your calendar, open up your phones, however you do it. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a Eucharistic event. It's coming up December 10th, so there is no excuse not to block that calendar. St. Norbert Catholic Church. It's 16455 New Halls Ferry Road, Florissant, Missouri. You all know where it's at. The schedule today going on here. We have Holy Mass at 8, Continental Breakfast, Conference Check-In, First Speaker, Lunch, Breaks, Conclusions. We're looking at Archbishop Robert Carlson. He's coming in to talk. Our Lady of Loretto. Father Monsignor Matthew Midas on Eucharistic Miracles. Father Jay Matulski, through him, with him, and in him. And Father Anthony S.J., drawn into the Eucharist, recreated in Christ. Only $25 for the day. You can give them a call or call us later after the show, and we will give you a copy of this program free of charge. All you got to do is pay for the postage and get any information from here or whatever it is you want to buy. We have it here, Catholic-related, and that would be 636-447-6000. All right, Ray, let's get back into the man, the myth, the legend, St. Joseph. Joseph. Huh? Love you know, And that announcement you just gave, you happen to mention Our Lady of Loretto. And have you ever been to Santa Fe? Santa Fe? Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, with the ladder or the ah, staircase. Ah, you know about that. I got a picture on my phone of it that was sent to me from my brother who was down there a month ago. Yeah. Well, maybe you should, can you tell the people a little bit, I mean, about the ladder? I mean, maybe people don't all, you know, don't know about the ladder. Well, you can supplement my information that I have on it. The sisters, I guess, are of Loretto, right, needed to be able to get up to the choir loft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were building a chapel in Santa Fe, right. uh, mm. devoted to St. Francis. Well, and there was lack of room, was it? 
So they, they ended they, up. Yeah, there you they go. Ended up on, take it this, over. They ended up having this. Um, they were building this chapel, and it took about five years to complete. And then during those five years, um, they lost their architect. He started on the project, but at some point during the middle of the project, he left. So they continued the work. Now maybe if he was there, he might he might have noticed this the error. But they but they continued the work, and when they almost got done, they realized well they had a little problem. Yeah, there was this. There's this uh, choir loft, um, but and it was kind of high, but they had no way to get to it. <laughs> big springs on your shoes. <laughs> yeah, something Not like that. Right. Yeah, something like that. Um, and so they thought, well, okay, well, we'll just build a staircase. But if you build a normal staircase, well, this wasn't a terribly big chapel. It would have taken up a huge chunk of the chapel itself, of the floor space. So it's like, well, that's not going to work. So then they thought, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. You know what we're going to do? We're going to have to just tear out this loft and then, you know, build that whole section of the chapel all over again. Well, it had taken five years and so much trouble to raise, you know, the money for this. I think the total cost was like $30,000. And the sisters had so much trouble raising, you know, those funds that the idea of trying to raise more money, you know, tearing stuff down, didn't uh, just didn't fly. It wasn't all that appealing. So they were in a quandary. So what do you think? What do you, what do you think? Like a convent of sisters do when they oh they pray they pray yeah. So they started an novena to guess who? Saint Joseph. Wow! <laughs> Absolutely, they started a novena to Saint Joseph. Well, on the last day of this novena, as the tradition holds. Uh, by the way, this wasn't all that long ago. I think the chapel was finished 1878. I think it was. Constructed between 1873 and 78. Anyways, um, so the last day of the novena, this man shows up, a gray-haired man uh, with a toolbox on a donkey. And uh, he's got some very basic kind of tools. And he says, well, I'll build a staircase for you. And as I've heard it told before, he insisted... Some peculiar request. He insisted that, you know... People don't watch him do the work. He had to the, be the church had to be closed. Right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody watched him work. And there's different accounts of whether it was done in a single night or whether it was done over a longer period. But at some point, he finished this work, and then he just kind of vanished. He wasn't there anymore. Didn't but, take any money for it either, did he? No, it didn't take any money. You don't need money, if, you know, in heaven. Anyways, so um, he was gone, and. Um, the funny thing about it, and the, well, the staircase was, was done. Now, there's a peculiar thing about this staircase. So because of the nature of the problem that they had, the staircase had to take up a small amount of space. So it was a circular staircase. Um, and it completes the circular staircase, completes two full 360-degree turns on its way up to the choir loft. But something was missing. Something was missing. There was no center pole. There was no means of support. As a matter of fact, there were no nails, um, no you know special you know um, metal con- you know pieces of any kind. Uh, just wood and wooden pegs. A very simple uh, kind of uh, work. Some simple kind of handiwork. The kind, of course, you know would have been done by somebody. Eh, you know maybe time of Christ. Um, but people can't figure out how this thing doesn't fall down. Engineers can't figure it they out. They can't figure it out. It should fall down, but it's been there for 150 years. 
Um, and, you know, he can have, you know, I, I think they've said, you know, there's been 15 people on this thing at a time. And, you know, it is, and of course, it's perfectly symmetrical. And it's, it's, they even say that even though it's been tried, you know, and, and people have walked down it countless times over these 150 years, it shows very little signs of wear. And there's something else peculiar about it, which is the wood is not native to that area. And according to some, it's a type of wood that comes from the Holy Land. But a wood that doesn't come from that area, I don't know. Nobody saw it. He would have had it, you know, a whole bunch of wood like carted in from some faraway place. Um, Probably not likely. Um, And it's just, uh, you know, and and no, you know, means of support, no nails. I mean, it's just an odd kind of a thing. And the sisters were convinced it was St. Joseph. And, and it was a miracle. And it's credited to this day. It is uh, a miracle. There's no way that this thing should, should be stand there. up. Right. And what year did they add the handrail finally, I guess? You know. Yeah, originally there was no handrail. I guess St. Joseph figured, well, they can do that for themselves. Uh, but yeah, they, they added that for safety reasons uh, a little bit later. So. What St. Joseph thought, it's my staircase, no one's going to get hurt on it. But, you know. Well, that could be. <laughs> that could oh, be. Oh, ye of lack of faith. Let's put a handrail on her. You know, St. Joseph's got it. Come on. You know, they prayed to St. Joseph, and then they got this staircase. A stranger that, shows up. That shouldn't be. Takes no money and leaves with a miracle behind you. Well, huh. Yeah. Check but it faith, out, folks, because it's, yeah. uh, it's a good thing. Then share it with your non-Catholic friends. You know, but, um, I mean, it's an example. Uh, I mean, I don't suppose every time someone prays to St. Joseph that it's going to be answered in just such a dramatic way. Um, but yeah, he hears the prayers. He hears prayers. Well, a lot of people play the lottery. So if you consider the saints answering Where are you, you going with this? <laughs> that, that, well, you might as well play the lottery with the saints, you know. I mean, you might get that miracle. Oh, I thought you would pray to St. Joseph to win the lottery. Well, if he wants to have <laughs> you win, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, well, with the lottery with the Saints, yeah, why not? Yeah, maybe. Trying to put into the twenty twenty two here, you know. Yeah, I had a I had a guy, you know, uh, who was somebody who uh, you could call an unbeliever, but the better I think a better way to refer to him would be somebody who just hasn't felt the love of God yet. But um, he made a point of that, you know, and he was like, uh, "Well, I don't believe in miracles," and he's like, "You know, because um, why should?" Only certain people get a miracle. If this is really a loving God, you know, why should it only be certain people that get a miracle? And I said, well, what you're saying is because God doesn't do a miracle for everybody, that means he can't do a miracle for anybody. Um, because he was leaning on this and relying on this little uh, piece of logic of his to infer that there was no God, or at least that there was no loving God. And so... You know, I took a different viewpoint with him, and he's like, well, okay, yeah, that's kind of a good point. Uh, you know, but, um, yeah, so why God gives miracles to some and not others, who knows. But he did look kindly on the Sisters of Laredo. He did indeed. And you can go to Santa Fe, New Mexico, if you happen to be in the area, and see this staircase that doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, or maybe if you don't go to Santa Fe, but you need, you know, some help, you can pray to St. Joseph, and you can count on the fact it'll be heard. It'll be heard. The patron saint of new decks. Ha ha, I just came up with that. 
That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. If you're I'll gonna, write to Rome about that. If you're going to build a new <laughs> deck, do a novena to St. Joseph beforehand. You know, I mean, you don't know how those miracles happen, though. It could be just that it's safety. It could be that it's so you save 10% somewhere down the line. You know, you don't know what it's going to be. Safety. Were you reading my mind with this? Safety. I used to be a coordinator at work. Okay, okay. So there's a, there's a, a story about people who prayed to St. Joseph for safety. Safety. This occurred during the time of World War II. Occurred um, this little island of, oh no, I don't know how to pronounce this. K R K, maybe Kirk. Uh, it's on the Adriatic Sea. I guess it's off the coast of uh, Croatia. Anyways, it was May, 1944, and German soldiers on the Feast of the Ascension showed up at a Catholic church and grabbed many of the men of the town. They were going to. First, they sent her into a prison, but their final destination was to be back in Germany to clean up the rubble from the bombing that was being, uh, you know, uh, perpetrated on Germany. Anyways, uh, there was this family, uh, and the father was a guy named uh, Ivan Zgombik. Uh, they're challenging me with, you know, some of these, some of these, if you look at this spelling and, and, and look at it yourself and say, oh, how do I pronounce that? You might understand. The the confusion here. Say him fast. Yeah. But anyway, that's the trick. Yeah, <laughs> nobody will nobody will know the difference. Um, anyways, even uh, was was married to a woman named uh, Mari. She was nine months pregnant, and uh, they're a very poor family. Uh, they had no electricity, no running water, no income, no money. Uh, they just lived off. They made their own bread. They lived off the food they were able to grow on their own property, and so for her husband to be captured and then being sent off, that was going to be very difficult for this family's survival. So she prayed to... St. Joseph. St. Joseph. And um, anyways, um, so she prayed to St. Joseph, uh, went to her local priest. He wrote a note to the Germans. She went to the German prison, uh, walking in front of all these soldiers, nine months you know, pregnant, um, and, uh, um, and uh, so they released... Uh, this uh, this father, and two weeks later she gave birth to uh, her fourth child, which they named Joseph, and they credited. Uh, and by the way, this this child that was born later on became a carpenter. Eh, small coincidence. Anyways, um, so they uh, they prayed to Saint Joseph. I mean, this was a guy who was in a German prison, and they said, you know, they prayed to Saint Joseph. We want him out, and lo and behold. The Germans. So, you know, I mean, you can look at that and you can say, well, okay, maybe, you know, but there's, no, not, there's not necessarily any intercession from St. Joseph there. But, of course, sure there could be. The naysayers always say coincidence. I think the Germans probably said a no to a lot of people. During Nine. Nord War II. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. You know, hey, let this person out of prison. I think they probably said no a lot Nine. of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, but, yeah, just another example, praying to St. Joseph you know, you never know. As you say, you could win the lottery, too. Sehr gut, Herr Ray. You're talking about the Germans. You okay. know, <laughs> since, since I am disabled right now, folks, uh, prayers, I always accept those prayers. I have all kinds of people praying for me, but I've had a lot of extra time on my hands, and I found myself looking at a lot of World War II World War One movies, you know, a lot of them, they're, they're very, you know, like documentary, like, you know, based sure. on true events and whatnot. And it's interesting, you know, especially when you go all the way back to the First World War, which is only, I, we're talking about a couple generations separating us from that time. 
Right. Well, oh, know, not, yeah, not that long ago. Horses were still common. You right. Know? Right. You know, oh my gosh! And, and their their warfare was just. That's why so many people died. Oh, it was horrible. It, yeah. yeah, the the terrible. numbers were phenomenal. Oh, yeah. You know, all of their their dads and their brothers, you know, went over there. Most of them went willingly too. Yeah, cannon fodder. Oh, yeah, that's just the un- unfortunate mess, my friends. And hopefully, we all pray that there's not another war like it in our lifetimes, or or forever, actually. Well, there's kind of one going on going on in Ukraine right now, which has a lot of atrocities that people compare to World War II. Yeah, it's a number, and it could get fanned in a hurry. So we it's, all need to pray. It's uh, it's never that far beyond the scope of men to go ahead and commit, you know, horrible cruelty and violence atrocities against one another. That's something we've kind of had a penchant for over the centuries. You know, I'm guilty of this. I just thought about that. I pray for Horrible the Ukrainians. Yeah, no, I pray for <laughs> the Ukrainians, but, you know, I did not pray for my enemies. Oh, yeah, yeah. I never even, you know, it's kind of hard to pray for the people who are, you know, perpetrating evil, but we should. Oh, absolutely. Just like, oh, my Jesus, you know, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of your mercy. And when I, when I rabbit hole that, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, because if the worst people were moved towards God, the world would be a better place. And, of course, we all believe in redemption. And anybody, no matter what they've done, can be redeemed. Anybody can turn to God at any point and all of a sudden turn things completely around. I mean, it is, you know, it is, I think, the center, one of the central pieces of our faith, this belief in redemption. Of course, you could argue that it is the central piece of our faith. I mean, I know Christ is a central piece of our faith. But uh, of course, Christ was the you know was the, the manifestation of of redemption. I mean, we're all in need of redemption. We all have original sin. We're all marked by the stain of original sin. That's the hope of all of us. Redemption. And He was the new and everlasting covenant. He still is. Amen. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri, in studio today with Ray Gerard, and we're talking about St. Joseph. My name is Matt Logman. There is a thing coming up. It's actually a conference and a two-day, but you don't have to do both days, and here's the info on that. Catholic Women's Conference, it's called by name. That means you. Inspiration, faith, fellowship, and fun. Saturday, November 5th from 8 a.m. till 3.30 p.m. at Immaculate Conception, Darden Prairie. And then Saturday is a, let's see, Saturday's a conference only is 55. But if you do the Friday night thing, and it's 100. But you get to enjoy some good wine, meet some great people. You know, the, the two-day cost, all the stuff that you do, adoration, Confession, prayer teams, mass at eight, shopping, fabulous lunch, and a raffle. It's a it's win-win, everything. ladies. It's a win-win. There you go. It's got so St. Joseph, if you pray to him, it's a yeah, win-win. Absolutely. So I don't think this this particular program would be complete. And again, I think it is a really good you know program to have to talk about, about St. Joseph uh, simply because uh, he can offer so much to so many men. If you read, you know— we all got problems. Everybody's got problems. Um, but if, you know, you're somebody who's, you know, wondering, you know, you're, you're a father, uh, you're a breadwinner, uh, you're a partial breadwinner, um, you're a son, you, you know, whatever, you know, and you're, you've got problems, you've got issues, you're wondering about, you know, what it is 
to be a man, a good man, a strong man, uh, how to live your life, you know, whatever. Whatever your questions, whatever your doubts, you can look to St. Joseph, and he can provide a tremendous model. I mean, this is a day and age where I think this is especially important for so many men. I mean, you take, for example, the, the, the topic of pornography, for example. There are so many men that have issues with that. I'm told uh, addictions. Yeah, yeah. More so than an issue. Right? Addiction yeah. is a lot worse because now it's it's just it's so prolifer- uh, I mean, it, it, it's 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 so easy for people to get. They don't and, realize the damage, and they don't realize the damage, and it harms uh, a lot of times. It harms the human relations that they might have with with a, with a spouse. Um, Anyways, and what I've heard is that it is the sin that is most often confessed, or most often, you know, uh, related uh, in the uh, in the confessional. Um, So it's a big thing that's out there. And then you look at Saint Joseph, and he's this model of of chastity. He, you know, lived with a virgin all of his all of his life. It takes a kind of a special man to do that to impact the importance on what you just said in the first vision at Fatima. When she opened up the ground and the children saw a vision of hell, the mother told them that most of them are down there because of sins against the flesh, pleasures, pleasures yeah. of the flesh, yeah. living wrong. And she told them that. Yeah. You know, if that doesn't make you want to repent, my brothers, come on. And sisters, you know, they're guilty of that sometimes too. But there's a, uh, there's a wonderful book that, that points this out. It's Father Donald Calloway, and he has such a tremendous conversion story of his mm-hmm. own. But he's got a book called Consecration to St. Joseph. And it's a 33-day consecration modeled after, you know, the, 30, uh, the consecration to, uh, to a Blessed Mother. First, uh, first, you know, popularized by, you know, St. Louis de Montfort. Anyway, so this is another 33-day consecration. And this one's to St. Joseph. Oh, and by the way, you can be, cons- you can be consecrated to, to a mother, a Blessed Mother, and to St. Joseph, and to Christ. I mean, because it kind of all goes in the same place. The trifecta. That's what that's called. There we go. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, one of the things he talks about is this, uh, you know, this, this, this model of, of chastity. And he has these wonderful uh, sort of quotes. Well, not sort of. He has these wonderful quotes in the book from saints. So, so many saints talking about St. Joseph. We think we don't know much about St. Joseph. But the saints, I mean, we believe as a church in Revelation. We believe in a living God. We believe in a God who just didn't come 2,000 years ago and then went back to heaven and he's, not with, he's, own, not, he's right. not with us anymore. I mean, as the gospel says, well, I will be with you until the end of the age. He's and then, the of course, we believe in this heaven. little thing. We believe in this little thing called the Eucharist, which means that he is, in fact, with us body, soul, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Small little thing like that. Amen. Um, you know, so. Why not believe that um, that the saints may have had revelations? I mean, why not? And so you've got all these quotes in here from all these saints talking about St. Joseph. Were they led to understand certain things about St. Joseph? I don't know, perhaps. But it's just a wonderful source of, um, of insights into St. Joseph. And uh, there's, there's so much more in the book. But he takes you through these, these contemplations on the various... Uh, various virtues of St. Joseph. And, you know, yeah, one of the big big ones is, of course, this idea of chastity. And the book also points you to um, this, 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 you know, goal of praying 
to St. Joseph. And if you do have, you know, a, a problem with, uh, with pornography or something like that, and you went through this 33-day program and earnestly prayed to St. Joseph and called on the grace and the power of, of St. Joseph, do you really think that he might not hear you, might not listen, might not help you? I mean, it is, it, I mean, Father Calloway, Calloway has done a, a tremendous, you know, service to all of us. Um, by putting all of the information about St. Joseph that he has into this book and then leading us to pray to him. You know, at the beginning of the program, you said, how do you think St. Joseph lived? And I was thinking about that. It's the way we should live today. As the man of the households, we are the head of the domestic church. Our job, our main job is to get our wives and children to heaven. And the second job is to protect them from the evils of the world because without that, the world will get them. You know, and you got to be on top of that. That's our job, and to love our wives the way Jesus loved the church, and that's to die for her. Oh, absolutely, Ab- absolutely. Um, yeah, and he can lead you. He can lead you to you know saintliness. Um, I mean, just contemplating the virtues of Saint Joseph. There's uh, one of the continuing prayers that he leads people to to say um, is the litany of Saint Joseph. And, you know, you just go down this, this list, Joseph most, most just, Joseph most chaste, uh, most prudent, most courageous, most obedient, most faithful. Uh, then he explains, he has whole sections of the book where he explains, well, when we say most just, what does that mean? And there's just, you know, so much, so much insight into that. Uh, you know, he's... Joseph is continuing with the litany, the lover of of poverty, the model of workmen, the glory of domestic life, the guardian of virgins, the pillar of families, terror of demons. I mean, you know, there's just, there's, there's so much here, but pillar of families. I mean, that's another one. We've got so many families these days that are broken. You've got so many couples that, you know, have, gone through divorces and kids you know are living in in those kinds of situations so anyways tremendous book tremendous book and what is that again consecration to saint joseph and they can get that where can they do it by calling here do we have uh i think yes because actually i got my copy uh here so i'm I'm sure i'm sure if you want to give out the phone number i'm sure they could all right folks 636-447-6000 that's 636-447-6000. And you can also ask for a free copy of this program about St. Joseph from St. Joseph Radio Presents. And all we ask you is that you pay the postage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you for the ability. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ 
to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank you.